0: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA, the Helsinki Summit.
1: During today's meeting, I addressed directly with President Putin the issue of Russian interference in our elections. I felt this was a message best delivered in person. Spent a great deal of time talking about it. And President Putin may very well want to address it and very strongly because he feels very strongly about it. And he has an interesting idea.
0: President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin had a a two-and-a-half-hour private meeting. After it was over, and when they faced the press, it seemed as though they both were in agreement. Russia did not meddle in the U.S.
1: election. My people came to me, Dan Coats came to me, and some others, they said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this, I don't see any reason why it would be, But then, back in the U.S. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't.
0: He reversed course, sort of. So what does it mean for the intelligence community and relations between Russia moving ahead? Coming up on this edition of Target USA.
2: The National Security Podcast.
0: From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. President Trump was widely and harshly criticized in Washington and around the world for comments he made during his summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Those critics included intelligence officials and politicians, both Republican and Democrat, in the U.S., Their concern, in their words, they believe the president took Russia's side in this very public scenario and blamed the U.S. in front of Vladimir Putin for what the intelligence community in the U.S. has said Russia actually did. And it was something that was brought up several times during the news conference. Here's an exchange between the president and Jonathan Lemire of the Associated Press.
2: Every U.S. intelligence agency has concluded that Russia did. What, who, my first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? My second question is, would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016 and would you warn him to never do it again?
1: So let me just say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server, why haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the democratic national committee i've been wondering that i've been asking that for months and months and i've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media where is the server i want to know where is the server and what is the server saying with that being said all i can do is ask the question my people came to me dan coats came to me and some others they said they think it's russia Uh, i have uh, president putin uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. As mentioned,
0: the president's comments touched off strong reactions here in Washington. One of the most vocal critics was John Brennan, former CIA director, who said on Twitter in a blistering post on July 16, 2018 at 8.15 a.m., Donald Trump's, and I quote, Donald Trump's press conference performance in Helsinki rises to and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. It was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump's comments embasillic, he is wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? End quote. Those are the words of former CIA director John Brennan on Twitter. Brennan himself landed in a bit of hot water for his comments Some intelligence community officials and politicals accused him of going too far with his comments about the president. We'll discuss that a little bit later in the program. But right now, one of the people that was in the room and actually asked the first question was our friend Jeff Mason, White House reporter for Reuters. And Jeff joins us now to tell us what it was like to be there for an event that undoubtedly will go down in history. Jeff, I was, fine. I was watching you at the news conference, and I sent you an email saying, ask him if he blamed Putin. And shortly after that, you got up and you asked some great questions. What was your response? What were you thinking as he was talking back to you, giving you his answer? And at one point, he interrupted your question to President Putin. What was going through your head at the time?
4: Well, it was extraordinary the way that he responded, because my first question to him was you started out your day in Helsinki by blaming U.S. stupidity and U.S. Um, and, and and basically putting the blame on on the United States for the deterioration of the relationship with Russia? And I just asked him, Do you blame Russia for anything? And his he had a whole list of things he could have mentioned, from U.S. election meddling to the the stuff, the, the activity that Russia has done in Ukraine, to the plane that it shot down to Syria, and instead he focused on uh, the United States. So I was, I think, like a lot of people listening and a lot of people in that room, I was a little stunned. For President Putin, yeah, yeah. if I could follow up as well, um, why should Americans and why should President Trump believe your statement that Russia did not Intervene in the 2016 election, given the evidence that US intelligence agencies have provided? And will you consider extraditing the 12 Russian officials that were indicted last week by a US grand jury? As to who is to be believed and who is not to be believed,
5: you can trust no one if you if you take this. Where did you get this idea that President Trump trusts me or I trust him? He defends the interests of the United States of America, and I do defend the interests of the Russian Federation. We do have interests that are common. We are looking for points of contact. There are issues where our postures diverge, and we are looking for ways to reconcile our differences. How to make Our effort more meaningful. We should not proceed from the immediate political interests that guide certain political powers in our countries. We should be guided by facts. Could you name a single fact that would definitively prove the collusion? This is utter nonsense. Just like the president recently mentioned. Yes, the public at large in the United States had a certain perceived opinion of the candidates during the campaign, but there's nothing particularly extraordinary about it. That's a usual thing. President Trump, when he was a candidate, he mentioned the need to restore the Russia US relationship, and it's clear that a certain part of American society felt sympathetic about it, and different people could express their sympathy in different ways. But isn't that natural? Isn't it natural to be sympathetic towards a person who is willing to restore the relationship with our country who wants to work with us We heard the accusations about the Concord country well as far as I know this company hired American lawyers and the accusations doesn't don't have a bucket, uh, doesn't have a fighting chance in the American uh, courts So there's no evidence when it comes to the actual facts. So we have to be guided by facts and not by rumors. Now let's uh, get back to the issue of these 12 alleged intelligence officers of uh, of Russia. I don't know the full extent of the situation but President Trump mentioned this issue and I will look into it. So far I can say the following, the things off the top of my head, we have an acting an existing agreement between the United States of America and the Russian Federation, an existing treaty that dates back to 1999, uh, the mutual assistance on criminal cases. This treaty is in full effect. It works quite efficiently. On an average, we Initiate about 100, 150 criminal cases upon requests from foreign states. Uh, for instance, the last year uh, there was a one extradition case uh, upon the request sent by the United States. So this treaty has specific legal procedures. We can offer that the appropriate commission headed by by Special Attorney Mueller, he can use this treaty as a solid foundation and send a formal, an official request to us so that we would interrogate, we would hold the questioning of these individuals who he believes are privy to some crimes and our law enforcement are perfectly able to do this questioning and send the appropriate materials to the United States. Moreover, we can meet you halfway, we can make another step. We can actually permit official representatives of the United States, including the members of this very commission headed by Mr. Mueller, we can let them into the country and they will be present at this questioning. But in this case, there is, a, there is another condition. And this kind of effort should be a mutual one. Then we would expect that the Americans would reciprocate and they, they would question officials, including the um, officers of law enforcement and intelligence services of the United States, whom we believe are who have something to do with illegal actions on the territory of Russia. And we have to, um, to request the presence of our law enforcement. For instance, we can bring up the Mr. Mr. Browder in this particular case. Business associates of Mr. Browder have earned over one and a half billion dollars in Russia. They never paid any taxes, neither in Russia nor in the United States. And yet the money escaped the country, they were transferred to the United States. They sent a huge amount of money, 400 million as a contribution to to the campaign of Hillary Clinton. Well, that's their personal case. It might have been legal, the contribution itself, but the way the money was earned was illegal. So we have a solid reason to believe that some intelligence officers accompanied and guided these transactions. So we have an interest of questioning them.
0: And back to you, Jeff Mason. President Putin seemed to be a bit combative there, no? He
4: did. He did. And I think uh, you know, President Putin doesn't take tough questions from journalists very often. I mean, he does occasionally have these really long press conferences, but I, I think that the having a tough question from an American reporter is probably not something he gets on a regular basis. And he bristled at it a little bit. Um, and uh, but he was also pretty direct. I mean, to my last question to him, when I asked, uh, "Did you want President Trump to win the election?" Uh, he gave a very clear response, which was, "Yes, I did."
0: And did you get from that? Because um, because 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 what I heard was, "Did you want President Trump to win the election?" And did you instruct your people to help him? That was correct me if I'm wrong. That was the full question, right?
4: No, you are right. That is exactly right. That is the full question. And I I don't know how to interpret the answer. Yes, I did. I think there's one interpretation, and it's probably the most logical, uh, which is that he didn't hear the second part of my question. And the reason I think that's logical is he had spent a good chunk of his answer earlier saying there had been no collusion in the same way that President Trump had. Uh, that said, I did. You're right. I, I said in my question, did you want him to win? And did you instruct anyone to to help him? Uh, And his answer was, yes, I did. So you could interpret that as being, not only did he he respond to the first question, but the second one as well.
0: Yeah. Jeff, um, President Putin said several times, or at least one time in this conversation, that he's a former intelligence officer. And, you know, some people interpreted that as a dog whistle. Essentially, listen, I know what I'm doing here, and I know what it is that I want you to get from this, and I understand very well how to answer these questions, even though supposedly your intelligence community has all this intelligence on us and has indicted twenty-five of my friends. Um, but I'm still not going to say to you anything that you can use to uh, essentially put me in the in, in the heart of this. What was your thinking after he did the circuitous answer to your questions and your your colleagues' questions?
4: Well, you know, I just think I think President Putin is is very smart and is very happy to show the confidence that he has. And he's a politician, in addition to being uh, a former spy and and the KGB uh, leader. And so he he knows how to get around tough questions, but he also knows how to show dominance. And I think think it was a a chunk of all of those things that he was displaying uh, in those answers. And I, I, I got your email after the press conference. I hadn't seen your your suggested question before I started. But I, I do think both his responses and uh, President Trump's responses to both my question and the questions from my colleague, Jonathan Lemire, uh, from the AP, will go down as, as pretty historic. No doubt. Uh, it was just a really unique and stunning moment
0: i can guarantee you that because yes you did get my email a little little late but i'm at least glad you got it (laughs) but here i did here in washington the stunned nature of washington i mean it was palpable you could feel it all over the place during that whole news conference watching social media the phones were ringing emails are popping i mean this was a historic moment and i'm just wondering If you had any clue something like that was going to happen when you walked into that news conference, because we knew there was a possibility for something crazy to happen, but were you expecting anything like that?
4: No, I mean the the answer to that is no. I was not, and I think that you know perhaps after a year and a half of covering President Trump, one should expect that more. (laughs) But um, it, it, it there was just it was you mentioned the sense of being stunned. Uh, from watching it from afar. There was a definite sense of being stunned uh, within the room. And, and part of that is the context. The, not only was President Trump standing next to the, the leader of Russia, but President Trump's advisors had set up that press conference, had set up that summit by saying to us, to reporters and in, uh, in, pre- in a preparatory call ahead of time, that the president would focus on Russia's malign activities, and that in fact that focus would also be at the NATO meeting and then at the meeting in Helsinki. And so it, it we were prepared to have him discuss the same things that his advisors had, but that's clearly not what he did and that became, you know, even clearer in his response to my question and the and the question from my colleague.
0: Why do you suppose he did that?
4: You know, He's obviously tried to walk that back a little bit this week after the fallout that uh, he received from his performance at that press conference and in general at the summit. Yeah, my analysis is it's what he believes. I mean, I think what he said there is what he genuinely believes. I think he has he genuinely believes that it's important to have a strong relationship between the United States and Russia and he wants to have that strong relationship with Putin. I can't say uh, more about, you know, to what extent um, that relationship existed beforehand. Both the president and President Putin said, look, um, I weren't really on each other's radar that much before he became president of the United States. Uh, but clearly it's a relationship that he values. And the, the context of him putting so much uh, sort of positive energy into that relationship is, is stark mm. compared to the way he treated traditional U.S. friends and allies at the NATO meeting yeah. uh, just a few days before that summit and, you know, not too long ago at the G7 in Canada as well.
0: Yeah, last thing, I'll let you, uh, I've, I've dominated this conversation with my questions and in, 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 in requests, but uh, would you just take a minute or so to just tell us Your thoughts and your observations uh, of, of everything involved in this historic situation.
4: Well, we've covered a lot of them. I think, number one, it was extraordinary to be in Helsinki that day and to start the day off with President Trump's tweet in which he blamed the United States for the deterioration in relations. That just seemed extraordinary to me that day, and that's why I wanted to ask about it at the press conference. Um, I, I also thought it was it was extraordinary that they had that press conference at all. Truth be told, mm. um, I think that in itself was kind of a gift to President Putin. That's very important to Putin to to be treated like and to be to feel like an equal partner on the world stage. And the United States, with the Trump administration, gave him that in a similar way that the president uh, gave that sort of platform to Kim Jong Un and his. Uh, summit with the North Korean leader. Now, some people criticize that; other people think that it's uh, a great thing. But in any case, it's it's a fact that that's important to Putin. And in addition to having that summit at all, the fact that they that they had that press conference and that the president was, you know, put himself in the position of standing next to the leader of Russia and was not prepared to come out and sharply criticize him or show that he had pushed hard on election meddling, when all of the US intelligence agencies uh, have agreed and said that that occurred, was extraordinary. And its um, I think, I guess my final observation would be, we said earlier that it will be historic. Uh, I, I think that's, I, I don't, yeah, I'm hesitant ever to call something a turning point, because you certainly never know, and especially with President Trump, you don't know what will be a turning point and what won't. But I think it will be, uh, um, a very key moment in his presidency. And I guess the next question will be whether or not it has any impact on his party and his chances in the midterm elections.
0: That's Reuters, White House correspondent Jeff Mason. Jeff, thanks a lot. You did a brilliant job, and I'm sure that news conference is going to go down in history. Thank you
4: again. I appreciate that. Thank you, JJ.
0: So we've talked for almost 20 minutes about what happened in Helsinki. When we come back, We'll look at the impact on the intelligence community coming up on Target USA.
2: The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green,
0: and this is Target USA.
2: The National Security Podcast. We've
0: taken an in-depth look at President Trump's trip to Helsinki and his news conference with Vladimir Putin, at which some doubt was raised about whether he really believes in the U.S. intelligence community's assessment that Russia interfered in the election. And we've also taken a look from the journalist's point of view. Jeff Mason was inside that room where it all took place. Now to change gears and get some insight from the intelligence community about how all this went down for them. As you can imagine, no one from the intelligence community that's actually working now would say anything about this because, obviously, President Trump, the commander-in-chief, is their boss. So what we did was we turned to Robert Bayer. He's a former CIA covert operative and a former CIA official who has about a decade of experience working the Russia issue for the agency. And he joins us now as well to talk about it. Robert, the conversation during the news conference was something that most folks were stunned after they witnessed it and simply couldn't explain what was going on. What was your view of what you heard from the president and and, and Mr. Putin at that news conference in relationship to Russian meddling in the U.S.?
2: Well, you know, frankly, you look at the president's, he went into that meeting knowing the criticism about his connection connections with Russia. And, you know, you just have to wonder whether, you know, there's some sort of control uh, that Putin has something on Trump. There's no other reason why you would go in to that meeting like that. And, uh, you know, it it was, it was, it was, you know, disgusting. It's alarming. That's what it is. I mean, you really do have to wonder what sort of control Putin has over Trump. There was po- politically made no sense at all. Don't forget, this is a country that has just killed somebody, resulting in the death of a, of a nerve agent attack in Britain. He shot down an airliner. He's invaded the Crimea. He assassinates. And to, and to take the side of Russia over American intelligence as a former intelligence officer is quite alarming.
0: Mm. So... Looking at it from that point of view as a former intelligence officer yourself, how could that have taken place? When did it take take place if that's the case? The the, the well, you have to look. The compromise. If, yeah, if there was such a thing,
2: you have to look at you have to look at the history of Trump. Nineteen eighty seven. He flew to Moscow, presumably looking into business opportunities, comes back. And attacks NATO and our defense alliance with Japan. What very few people know is that trip that he went to Moscow in '87 was sponsored by the KGB. Uh, did KGB recruit him, sign him up? I don't think so. But what you have to look at is in the '90s he starts going into business with supposedly, uh, you know, Russian businessmen with no connections to the government. In fact, all of those Russians that he went into business with the major ones reported back to the KGB and ultimately the Kremlin. You look at his Trump Tower in in uh, Toronto, and it, that was Russian government money that floated that project. And one of the people who signed off on Trump Tower in Toronto was Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. So you, you, he is in business with Vladimir Putin. Putin. There's a great article in the Financial Times on this, which lays it out, which nobody has disputed. So when he goes off to Helsinki, he's essentially meeting his business partner. I mean, this is a talk about a conflict of interest, which, again, is alarming for a former intelligence officer. In the mm-hmm. old days, in the Cold War, if an American official went into business with a Russian Right away, there was a, there would be some sort of suspicion. There would be a suspicion of espionage.
0: Now, take a listen at this. This was President Putin's response to Reuters reporter Jeff Mason's question about who he wanted to win.
4: In an appropriate did you want legal President framework. To win the election? And did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes,
5: I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal.
2: Back to
0: you, Robert Bayer. What did you hear?
2: Oh, I heard absolutely. Putin said, I supported Donald Trump in the election. Putin has made no secret that he detested Obama, he detested Hillary Clinton, and that he desperately wanted Donald Trump to win the election. It was the only way that he thought that he could get out from sanctions on Russia was to have Putin, I mean, was to have Trump in office. And that's what he got. And we do know from the indictment, from the Mueller indictment, of the 12 GRU officers, military intelligence officers, and you look at that indictment, I read it and reread it. That intelligence is fantastic. I mean, you had the national security agency was deep into this, this hacking. In fact, they had the whole story on the 12th of September, 2016, which was shown to Obama. Uh, and which is later shown to Donald Trump, what the intelligence was. I mean, that intelligence is much better. And I've said this in the media, much better than the intelligence we had on Japan attacking Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. or 9-11 mm-hmm. against bin Laden. So there's no disputing this, any wavering on taking Putin's side. He looks to me like he switched loyalties. I see it no other way. This is not ambiguous in the least sense, in the least
0: after returning to Washington a day after those comments in Helsinki, President Trump did an about-face. Take a listen.
1: I have full faith and support for America's great intelligence agencies, always had. And I have felt very strongly that while Russia's actions had no impact at all on the outcome of the election, let me be totally clear in saying that And I've said this many times, I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. Uh, There was no collusion at all. And people have seen that, and they've seen that strongly. The House has already come out very strongly on that. A lot of people have come out strongly on that. I thought that I made myself very clear by having just reviewed the transcript. Now I have to say, I came back and I said, what is going on, what's the big deal? So I got a transcript, I reviewed it, I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave, and I realized that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious, I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify, just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't, or why it wouldn't be Russia. So, just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't, and the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative.
0: So, Robert Bayer, since that time, the president has actually flipped back, it seems, to saying that he has doubts about the intelligence, even while saying he fully supports the nation's intelligence agencies all the while seeming to leave an open for Russia to wiggle out of responsibility in this situation. It seems confusing. What do you see?
2: J.J., it's not complicated for me because a bunch of times after that, he's gone. He says, well, it could be other people, too. Uh, you know, I have my doubts about it. I mean, the only answer in Helsinki was, yes, we have the goods on Putin. And his answer should have been, we are going to negotiate with the Russians until we figure this out. And Dan Coats, the director of national intelligence has come out numerous occasions and said the Russians continue to come after us, to come after our infrastructure. And yet the president has another ambiguous answer. No, well maybe, you know, and you don't even know where he is. He is afraid to face the truth. We are under attack. Our democracy is under attack and he's not defending us. And by the way, Obama knew that this was going on, Uh, you know, during the elections, it's been pieced out and he failed to protect the Constitution as well. We need a leadership in Washington that's going to defend this country. And right now it has to be the Republicans. And any Republican who doubts this or doubts the intelligence from a former intelligence officer, and I canvass all my ex-colleagues, and the word they come up with is treason, betrayal. Not treason in the sense of aiding the enemy during during a war, but treason and failing to protect this, our, our country. Um, right now, you can go back and you can take Obama to task and that administration, and we should one day. But right now, it's this president, it's time to step up and stop this. And he has a lot of tools and he's not. That's why I doubt his loyalty.
0: Okay. And um, considering the White House continues to tweak and say this and say that and the other, which essentially justifies what the president is saying. It seems as though what we're getting out of the White House from White House personnel, staff, press people that work in the White House is more of the same. At what point do they take a stand or make a change if what you're saying is true?
2: It's not what I'm saying. The intelligence community has, says we're under attack. It's like Franklin Roosevelt saying in the middle of Pearl Harbor, well, you know you know call this an attack and maybe the japanese made a mistake or maybe those aren't japanese airplanes you don't do that in a time of war and people have said this is just trivial and they're on facebook no they're not they were running assets into the nra into the national prayer Bre- breakfast and on and on this is an attack on our political system which we are not sure of the outcome this is not trivial mm-hmm. um you have to simply back up your intelligence services, and you have to back it up strongly. And there should be hearings in Congress right now investigating the current attack on the United States. And that's- A committee should be set up, and people should be called in front and said, are we being attacked, and what do we do about it, and we're not.
0: Former CIA operative Robert Bayer. Robert, thanks for your time as always.
2: All right, talk to you. Jay Take care. K.
0: Robert Bayer talked about how the NRA had been infiltrated by Russian operatives. In a moment, we'll tell you about something that you won't want to miss coming up. But in the meantime, we told you earlier in the program about John Brennan's scathing tweet that essentially said the president had committed treason. Well, earlier this week, on the 23rd of July 2018, the White House announced that Brennan was among six former national security officials, that it was considering stripping of their security clearances. Brennan, a former CIA director who served in the Obama administration, former Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice, former Obama administration director of national intelligence James Clapper, former FBI director James Comey, former deputy director of the FBI Andrew McCabe, and former Bush-era CIA director. Michael Hayden, are all on a list of people being considered to have their clearances revoked. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders told reporters at a regular news briefing, quote, the president is exploring the mechanism to remove security clearance because they politicize and in some cases monetize their public service and security clearances. Making baseless accusations of improper contact with Russia or being influenced by Russia against the president is extremely, inimport- is extremely inappropriate. And the fact that people with security clearances are making these baseless charges provide inappropriate legitimacy to accusations with zero evidence. End quote. Now we've spent the whole program talking about President Trump and what took place in Helsinki. And his views on the U.S. intelligence community and security clearances and a whole bunch of other things that have to do with his presidency. So, in the interest of fairness, objectivity, and neutrality, we did not want to do this program without having some input from the White House. So, we asked for an interview uh, and were told essentially they didn't have an opportunity this week, but that they would like to talk to us. So, we'll see what happens in the future. In the meantime, Back to the Robert Bayer reference to the NRA being infiltrated, coming up on our next program. On Sunday, July 15th, a 29-year-old Russian woman was arrested in Washington. She had allegedly, carefully and clandestinely, inserted herself into various political groups across the country, including the National Rifle Association. She recently graduated with a master's degree from American University. Her former classmates were stunned.
3: I was so intrigued because I realized I had a class with her.
0: And thinking back, Andy Lilwani realizes something odd about her presence in the class.
3: Yeah, so the class was like a finance course, very, very introductory finance course. That
0: class for Lilwani, who graduated in the spring, was required. But Boutina,
3: She was on her, I believe, second or third master's degree or something of the sort. So it just seemed a little off for her to be in the course itself.
0: Something else that seemed a little odd? A colleague of mine and I took her to lunch on October 27th,
1: 2016.
0: That's John Gizzi, White House correspondent for Newsmax. His colleague, Philip Crowther, France 24's White House correspondent.
5: Uh, She was pro-Trump. She was a young Russian in Washington, D.C. She was pro-gun rights. She was already uh, pretty deeply into Republican circles. She already
4: had contacts to the NRA.
0: So they took her to lunch to talk to her about the possibility of going on camera to tell them about her story. And that's where things got a little odd.
1: All of that had a cutoff point when we said, would you go on camera with either of us or both of us and say what you have? No, she couldn't do that.
0: The reason she gave was that she needed to spend her time working on her AU master's degree. Prosecutors said it was all a cover. And on our next program, we'll take you inside the secret life of Maria Butina. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And also, let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. Green at WTOP.com. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA.
2: The National Security Podcast.
0: If you like my podcast, check out the Dennis Miller option, also on Podcast One. The snarky king of comedy is back to provide his no-holds-barred opinion on current events, politics, pop culture, and whatever else is on his mind. Some recent guests include Clint Howard, Bo Derrick, Gary Sinise, and Adam Carolla. So check out the Dennis Miller option at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. Also, remember to rate and review. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.
3: To be your best every day